In the last few years, companies and their CEOs have been taking strong stands on a number of controversial issues. Topics that would have been third rail material have become opportunities to express core values. It's not as if doing so has gotten any less risky. Brands can suffer many kinds of backlash from stakeholders who hold different views. And more recently, companies have been a bit more reticent to speak out, or at least are doing more to ensure that the issues they speak on are material to the business. Perhaps no case exemplifies these risks and trade-offs more than the recent and still ongoing scuffle between Disney and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. In this episode, we go inside that story, led by three students from Texas Christian University, whose case study on it won our annual student case study competition. I'm Elliot Mizrahi, and this is The New CCO. Rivet360 has been working with Paige to bring you the new CCO for more than six years. And that goes way beyond just editing and production. They're true thought partners, helping us develop our show's unique voice and identity, brainstorm ideas, and tell, well, riveting stories. To me, that's what makes them and our show so special. They're storytellers, first and foremost. And as communicators, I know we can all appreciate the value of a story well told. So if you're thinking about launching a podcast, or you have one that needs some fresh ideas, visit rivet360.com to book a free consultation. Um, I'm Maya Estrada. I am a recent graduate of Texas Christian University, where I received my bachelor's degree in strategic communications and writing. So my name is Aisha Jibo. I just received my Bachelor's of Science in Strategic Communication from TCU in May. I'm Brianne Fisher from Plano, Texas. I'm a current graduate student and teaching assistant at Texas Christian University, and I'm getting my Master's of Science in Strategic Communication. Did you all grow up watching Disney movies? Yes. You did? you have a favorite? Ooh, that's hard. <laughs> my favorite is Tangled, and Rapunzel's my favorite princess. <laughs> I like The Princess and the Frog. That was a good movie. <laughs> I like The Little Mermaid, so I'm super excited to see the new movie. Oh, yeah. Have you been to Disney World or Disneyland? Yes. I've been to both, and the last time I went to Disney World was last week. <laughs> oh, wow. So really relevant experience for this conversation. <laughs> yes. So how did you arrive at the decision to study this particular case? It all started after looking through things that were relevant and that were happening and that were really important in the communications field. We decided that talking about Disney would be really good because we were all Disney fans and we found that there was a lot to talk about and there was a lot to research. It was important to see how companies could use this in the future and how they would handle situations like this, especially with like government bodies involved. I asked the students to lay out the story, which begins with the proposal of a new law in Florida. So the law is called the Parental Rights in Education Act. The Florida State Board of Education approved a ban on classroom instruction about sexual orientation and gender identity for all grades. Specifically, they want to prohibit the discussion or instruction of gender identity or sexual orientation in classes. This bill builds on the Parents' Bill of Rights, which was signed into Florida law in 2021. Um, and it's part of Governor DeSantis's Year of the Parent which was focusing on protecting parental rights and education. It really does say that teachers should be barred from explicitly instructing about sexual orientation and gender identity. The law was proposed in January of 2022, was signed into law by DeSantis that March, and took effect in July, 
meaning it's now been in place for a year. At the risk of getting political, there's some useful context to add here. Ron DeSantis is running for the Republican nomination for president. Though this confrontation with Disney began before he declared his candidacy, he focused his campaign on these kinds of so-called culture war issues that strike a nerve with his conservative voting base. Many of his supporters feel DeSantis is taking on what they regard as, quote, woke corporations. And in Florida, if you're hunting big game, there's none bigger than Disney, the state's largest employer. I asked Maya what the public reaction has been to the legislation. Proponents of the bill were saying that they didn't want the Florida school system to indoctrinate their children with talk of gender identity and sexual orientation. So that's one way they were looking at it. Um, but I think people who are against the bill see this as more harmful if a student is starting to question gender identity or sexual orientation or is just maybe curious about that but maybe at home that isn't really allowed. Now having that fully disclosed to a parent might be a dangerous situation. It might lead to potentially um, harmful situation to the child now that everything revolving their physical and mental well-being and the things that they're wondering at school will now be disclosed to their parent. So I think for many people, it's like a good thing because they have more control over what their students and what their kids are learning in school. But at the same time, for some students, that could be potentially dangerous because now they don't have a safe space to say, I'm thinking these things. I like need help um, and I can't get help at home. There are tricky politics here to be sure. The crowd worried about indoctrination believes that there's a liberal agenda to normalize progressive ideas about sexuality and gender. At the other end of the spectrum are those who believe that these kinds of laws, which imply at the very least that anything but heterosexuality and binary gender identities are outside of the norm, further entrench biases against those who identify as anything else. Knowing the politics and the stakes, Disney soon found itself in the midst of the debate. I think with Disney being in Florida, um, people started to look to big companies to take a stance. Generally speaking, Florida governors do not get into fights with Disney, the largest, basically the largest uh, employer in the state of Florida, unless you're appealing to a much larger national audience. And since Disney is a leader in the entertainment and theme park industry. I think a lot of other companies were also looking at the way that Disney was going to respond to this um, because as I said earlier, this was the first time that there was a law like this. So it was kind of new to everyone. And so um, everyone was just kind of looking at the big guys to make a stance first. Today, dozens of Disney employees walked off the job. Um, you know, I'm here just in support of all of our here uh, employees and their families. Disney is the largest private employer in the state of Florida. And because of that, they have a larger community of LGBTQ employees. Um, and it was the employees that got the attention on Disney by making their videos go viral and their walkouts at the parks. Um, so Universal employees didn't respond in the same way, which we think might be why they remained under the radar. Another relevant point is that Disney prides itself, pun intended, on celebrating diversity and inclusion. One of their social responsibility initiatives is the World of Belonging, which um, celebrates an inclusive and respectful world. I know that's one of their core values, so I think people were expecting them to act on those core values. And as CCOs know all too well, when companies fail to act in accordance with their values, they tend to hear about it, 
often and loudly from employees. I asked Brian what employees were saying and doing at Disney. First of all, they wrote a letter to the CEO asking if Disney would make a public stance. Um, there were also walkouts in both Disney World and Disneyland by the employees. And then there were also several YouTube videos um, from employees that went viral and on social media. Um, I think on Twitter, the hashtag Disney Do Better was trending. So um, there were a lot of different ways that employees were speaking out. Um, and I think that's what really pushed Disney to eventually make a response. Maya picks up the story. Okay, so at first they sent a letter to employees keeping communications internal and trying to tell the employees like we're against the bill, but we're not going to make a public statement, but we just want you all to know that this is where we stand. Um, but this wasn't enough because there was still backlash from employees and from um, the public and other stakeholders trying to get Disney to publicly um, oppose the bill and to publicly make a statement and say, we are against this, we're going with our core values. Um, so then after the internal memo was released, there was still um, much backlash and people trying to get Disney to talk about it and to um, take a stance on the bill. However, eventually, once the bill was already passed, Disney then made a public statement opposing the bill, saying that they thought that it was better to work on both sides of the aisle behind the scenes to try to get this bill um, like dismissed or try to not get it passed. Aisha pulled up a copy of the statement and started reading. Um, Florida HB 1557, also known as a don't say gay bill, should never have passed and should never have been signed into law. Our goal as a company is for the law to be repealed by the legislature or struck down in the courts. And we remain committed to supporting the national and state organizations working to achieve that. We are dedicated to standing up for the rights and safety of LGBTQ plus members of the Disney family, as well as LGBTQ plus community in Florida and across the country. Uh, but at that point, it was kind of after facing all this employee backlash, all the stakeholder backlash, and facing backlash from the government, um, having that public statement be so late was a little bit hindering to the public relations efforts that they were trying to do, and was definitely too late for employees and stakeholders who expected more from Disney showing their core values and showing support. Growing frustration over Disney CEO Bob Chapek's handling of the legislation, with critics saying he did not do enough to speak out against it. At the time, he explained. Now, we were opposed to the bill from the outset, but we chose not to take a public position on it because we thought we could be more effective working behind the scenes. That set off a firestorm, with some launching a website and Twitter page calling for a company-wide walkout. I think from our timeline, one of the things that stood out was that they had several, you know, opportunities to respond to the stakeholders and to not be silent, and they continually chose to be silent. This was really self-inflicted on Disney's part, the CEO's mishandling of his initial statements. I think it took him three or four times before he finally came out against uh, the, the bill in Tallahassee. By then, it had already angered employees. Um, and it wasn't until an article came out about the political contributions that Disney was making. They ended up also discovering that Disney had been a major contributor, not just to Ron DeSantis, but to the bill's sponsors in previous legislative cycles. So I don't know if that has anything to do with 
their response, but it is interesting that um, it happened to be the next day that they finally opposed the bill. Um, maybe that was just the last straw or maybe that was the plan. I don't know. But we found that very interesting when putting our timeline together. Even though it was like too little too late, it was better to at least say something than just continue to let the problem get worse, especially now that the bill has passed and it had come out that there had been support from the company for the politicians that are signing this bill into law. So I think the thinking behind it was we've had all of this backlash and we have tried our best to work behind the aisle, whatever steps those were, whatever efforts they made to shut down the bill from behind the scenes. Uh, Those didn't work. So now um, the bill is passed. We should just say something. Um, I agree that it's not the, if I was um, an employee who had been asking the company to please say something, especially because I myself am like part of that community and I would really love to hear them oppose the bill, knowing that they had already sent an internal memo saying that they opposed the bill, but for whatever reason, wouldn't say it publicly. I think seeing this would just feel kind of like a letdown. They pledged to donate $5 million to various LGBTQ advocacy groups. Um, And I believe one of them initially, they declined the donation because they felt that the the statement was not very sincere. And so it wasn't until Disney continued to take more meaningful action um, and support the LGBTQ community more that um, finally the donation was accepted. It's at this point that the political battle really heats up. Past members reportedly threatened to walk off the job today to protest their company's handling of a state education bill that would prevent schools from discussing gender issues. The governor said Tuesday he believes Disney is buying into a false narrative surrounding the bill. If you are out protesting this bill, you are by definition putting yourself in favor of injecting sexual instruction to five, six and seven year old kids. I think most people think that's wrong. I think parents especially think that's wrong. Do you have any sense if discussions of that are actually commonplace in public schools in Florida? They're not. Disney is now on record opposing legislation that the governor and other conservatives support. It's in exactly the position it's sought to avoid by remaining silent in the first place. Then comes the retribution. Generally speaking, politicians will criticize companies for this or that. In a campaign that's especially valuable because it draws attention and presents an image of a fighter willing to take on corporate interests. It's much more rare than an elected official will use their powers to exact some kind of consequence or penalty on a company that expresses an opposing point of view. But that's exactly what DeSantis did. Many decades ago, the state of Florida struck a deal with Disney. Since it would be operating a massive theme park and resort business, a special carve-out was put in place that gave Disney special tax status. They wouldn't have to pay state taxes as other businesses would, but they would be responsible for providing their own municipal services, like first responders, road maintenance, and trash collection. I don't know who made out better on that deal, Disney or Florida, but DeSantis moved to rescind that special tax status, and with it, much of the leniency and autonomy that Disney had enjoyed for years. And DeSantis didn't even pretend that it was unrelated to the company's statement. 
Governor Ron DeSantis had kind of hinted at Disney's special improvement district being dissolved, but then with all of this uh, tension building for Disney either supporting or not supporting the bill, it kind of seemed like if you don't act one way, then there will be consequences. So after Disney made a statement Governor Ron DeSantis, he didn't dissolve the district, but he did like take over the board that controls the district. It A lot of these actions seem like retaliation for Disney speaking out. And I know in an interview he had stated kind of that there would be, that Disney never should have gotten involved or shouldn't get involved with this issue and that there would be consequences if they did. The legal wrangling will continue, I'm sure. But in the meanwhile, Disney has taken further action. Following Disney speaking out against the bill, um, they've made a lot of steps to kind of regain that trust that they lost with the LGBTQ community. So first of all, they realized that something needed to be changed in the leadership, and they made that change very quickly. What Brianna is referring to here is the resignation of then-CEO Bob Chapek, who took the brunt of the blame for his mishandling of the issue. He was replaced by former CEO Bob Iger, who, if anything, has only dug into the company's position, even abandoning a $1 billion development project set for Florida, citing the difficulty of the business environment. In May of 2022, Disney began to promote their Pride collection. That included merchandise created by LGBTQ employees. And then the profits from the items sold were donated to LGBTQ advocacy groups. Um, also, this year, Disney announced um, Gay Days Orlando, which is an annual event held as a celebration for the LGBTQ community. And then in addition, we've seen Disney making a lot of efforts to include LGBTQ representation in its films. I don't know if y'all have heard, but um, there was one called Lightyear um, in June of 2022, um, which featured Pixar's first same-sex kiss on screen. And then in November of 2022, Disney revealed its new film, Strange World, which featured Walt Disney Animation Studios' first openly gay lead character. Aisha concludes that there's one group with which Disney could have done better. Employees were essentially the ones that really spearheaded the whole protest movement and things going viral and people getting angry was really the employees. So I think Disney just needed to do better with their employees. For Maya, the feelings are mixed. In a way, I feel like I'm just reminded maybe a little bit of that magic has been taken away because I see like their business. They have to make business moves. But I still, when I went to the parks last week, I had like, you know, the time of my life. Like it's so fun to be immersed in all the things that they have there. But stepping off that and looking around like in Florida, seeing like the real problems, it's very interesting to see like this is something that they have to deal with as a company to me. I don't have any like negative feelings towards Disney, but I think I just... Um, I'm a little bit more aware that they are a corporate, they are a corporation, and um, a lot of this is about making money. So um, I just think that that is more apparent to me now than it was before we did this case. How, how much on your mind during your visit to Disney would you say this all was? Like, did anything happen during your trip that sort of reminded you of this and made you feel one way or the other? Yes, actually. I mean, it was June when we went, so it's Pride Month. And when we went, you know, there was a lot of Pride merchandise and there was, well, I went to Magic Kingdom and there was like a Pride um, mural on one of the walls in Tomorrowland. And I was immediately brought back to the case and I was thinking about it and thinking like, 
how genuine are these actions? Because maybe before I had done this case, I'd been like, oh, how great, like they're celebrating Pride Month. But after doing this case, I just had to think like, how genuine is this? Um, or is this just kind of like a recovery step? But overall, when you're at Disney, it's so hard to stay like mad. <laughs> it's so hard to only focus on the negative things because so much of it is so fun. So now, after having studied the case and followed development since, what are the lessons? I think one of the page principles is really applicable here, um, specifically page principle number six. So realizing that an enterprise's true character is expressed by its people. I think in this case, especially we see the power of employees and the people who make up an organization. And I think that um, the principle also states that every stakeholder plays a part in public relations, whether or not that's like part of their job. And I think this is just a really good example of that because so much of the public relations and the um, like spotlight that Disney got shown on it was because of the employees speaking out on social media and on YouTube. It just shows how important it is that when you have these values and express them and you know that your employees maybe share those values as well, when it comes to a situation like this, you should always act in your values, um, especially because your employees will show the true character of your organization, whether or not you want them to. So first of all, I think that the case demonstrates what all communicators know, that you can't please everyone. So in situations like this where people are very emotionally invested in the issue from totally opposite points of view, um, the best thing that you can do is stand up for what your core values are. Otherwise, why have them? Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked it, leave us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. And also be sure to subscribe. That way you'll get a notification every time we drop a new episode. Special thanks to Rivet360, our podcast partner. Without their support, we simply could not bring you this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on The New CCO.